Well, what does that one say there, Sunshine? It says, I'm interested to hear about the work-life balance in the strike fighter community. How did you and your wife cope with the pipeline, with workups, with deployments? And what was the toughest part of being married with children during your career as an aviator? What would you do differently, if anything? Wow, that one's pretty deep. Yeah, I agree. Hey, what, what do you have, Jello? Well, let's see. This one says, I was wondering if you could do a special episode on all things family-related. I would love to hear from your family how it is for them to have a fighter pilot in the family and how they deal with all the dangers and worries that come with this job. I'd also love to hear from you and your friends or coworkers on how the family can be supported, especially before, during, and after a deployment. What has helped you stay focused on the mission but still feel connected to home? How do you balance work and private duties and crises, especially when you're away from home? And also, what kind of role does the family have within your aviation community? Wow, some more really good questions. Maybe we should do an episode on the family. That sounds like a great idea. My dearest love, it's almost dawn. I've been lying here all night long, wondering where you might be. Welcome to the Fighter Pilot Podcast, the internet radio show that explores the fascinating world of air combat, the aircraft, the weapon systems, and, most importantly, the people. Now, here's your host, retired U.S. Navy fighter pilot, Vincent Aiello. And this is me kissing you, X's and O's, in a letter from home. Hello and welcome everyone to the Fighter Pilot Podcast. I am indeed your host, Vincent, here with my co-host, Brian. Hello, Vincent. How are you, sir? Doing quite well. The Excellent. holidays are about us. How are you? Oh, I am well. You're right. It is the season. And in fact, this is episode 34. We're calling it the home front. It is appropriate, I think, for this time of year. And normally, Brian, on this show, we start with some <laughs> announcements and some listener questions. But sometimes, out of courtesy to our distinguished visitors, we skip straight to the interview. Now, we did that with Willie D on episode 9 and the Air Boss on episode 16. I think our guests tonight deserve the same courtesy. What do you think? Great idea, Vincent. All right. Well, why don't we start with your side of the table? Can you introduce the lovely lady sitting next to you? Absolutely. Sitting to my left is my beautiful and patient wife, Kristen. Hello, Kristen. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Happy to be here. Excellent. Awesome. And Vincent, who do you have to your right? This is my wife, Beth. Hi, everybody. Welcome, you two. Now, on this show, Brian can tell you, for the last year, we have been telling everyone all about the aircraft, the weapon systems, and a little bit about the people. But the listeners have asked to hear more about the people behind the scenes, the family members and friends. So this show is all about you two. Now, we always begin with a little background on our guests, and we don't want to treat you any differently. So, Kristen, we'll start with you. Can you tell us where you're from, where you went to school, when you met your husband? In this case, we'll add that little addition for this week. And what you do now? I would be happy to. Well, my name's Kristen. I um, grew up here in San Diego. I attended Point Loma Nazarene University and received um, a Bachelor's of Arts in Business Administration. I met Brian when he was stationed here in Coronado. We dated long distance for a while. I was working in insurance for a while and then was actually um, a fundraiser at my alma mater. And Brian and I became engaged and he was deployed during that time. We eventually got married. I followed him to Florida and over those first few years of our marriage, I did a little bit of everything, some different office jobs in different cities. Worked from home some as an event planner, but now I am blessed to be able to raise our children and haven't worked since we had our first daughter 10 years ago. Wow. Well, that's still work, I'm sure. It is indeed. (laughs) Okay. Beth, so you want to tell us a little about yourself? Where are you from? Sure, sure. So I was born in Iowa and lived there till I was seven, and we moved to Arkansas all the way through college. So I went to the University of Arkansas. And then my senior year of college is when I met Vincent on spring break in Pensacola. Very nice. (laughs) Um, And so I've taught at private Christian schools and public schools. I got my degree in education, obviously. And I've done some other things, getting into some real estate. We flipped some houses that led us into me getting my license as a realtor, which I've had 
in Nevada and California, and that's currently what I'm doing now. Very nice. Yes, indeed. Well, welcome once again to the two of you. You are representing, not too much pressure here, I hope, but you are representing spouses all over the Navy and all the military services. <laughs> so, But no, really, you can just give us your points of view on some of the questions that we have here ready for you, and we'll talk through it and give the listener a little background on what it's like. Now, I think we should start with the most important question we have from a listener, Brian, and that is a fellow who says, and I'm quoting here specifically, are you ready? Right. Uh, there was other parts of the question, but then he says, and most importantly, how do you casually tell someone what your spouse does for a living without getting into that awkward silence and situation of jaw-dropping, wide-eyed looks? So ladies, does that ever happen? As in like telling them you're like my little private... Tom Cruise? Fighter pilot? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not convinced. <laughs> okay, so that doesn't happen? Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess it does. I mean, it, it's not the typical answer of what, you know, a husband does. So, okay. Um, I, it's always exciting it to is. tell them. Yeah, that's true. I, I would agree with that. I mean, we certainly, I don't know about you, Brian, I sometimes, oh, I'm in the Navy. I usually keep it very right. succinct. And then, oh, what do you mm-hmm. do? Oh, I have flyer planes. Yeah, yeah. deal with heavy equipment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. No, yeah. I always embellish. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. Well, good uh, on you. Yeah, right. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So the first question we have for you is about danger. Now, we've talked about on this show the risks. In fact, the last episode was about the Wingman Foundation, which comes in when tragedy strikes and helps families. And so you two ladies have dealt with that directly and indirectly throughout our careers. And thankfully, the two of us are here conducting the interview, so we clearly made it, but not everyone does. Now, just driving a car can be dangerous, but obviously our careers incur a little more risk. How do you handle that, or does it bother you at all? Well, it's funny that you mentioned driving a car because Brian tried to use that when we were first married, that there was more danger driving a car. <laughs> statistically than, speaking. Statistically speaking. Right. But I agree that, that your jobs were just a little more dangerous. But um, I don't really know. I mean, I like to say that we do just kind of compartmentalize. I mean, I don't think on a daily basis, I didn't used to think on a daily basis what he was doing. But truthfully, a long time ago when we first were married, I just kind of had to give that all up. We have a deep faith, and I say he's in God's hands, and Mm -hmm. whatever comes, comes. I mean, accidents can happen anywhere. Like I said, this is more dangerous, but I trust his training, Mm -hmm. and that's what he trusts. I know that's what you guys learn, and um, that's pretty much all we can do. I try to keep my anxiety at a minimum. (laughs) Well, and surrendering it is probably the best way to do it. And Mm -hmm. I appreciate your comment, and Brian, I know you'll agree. I mean, training will take you so far. Some things are out of our hands, too. Absolutely. But uh, 100%. Yeah. Beth, how about you? Um, So I agree. You know, um, giving it up to God is number one. Um, And then we have had our Bible study groups um, along the way that were huge supporters for me. Um, But what I also tried to do was not watch the news when you were Mm -hmm. gone, not listen to rumors, and let things go that direction. Which I'd like to just jump on that, which was easier, I think, when we were probably in the midst of our deployments. But I think that there's a harder part to that right now with social media and the the news cycle that we're on. But, you know, being able to kind of separate yourself from that and know what is truth and rely on your chain of command and Skip the hype a little bit and all the sensation. Sure. Yeah, and then um, I actually went out recently to lunch with a former student of mine from the Naval Academy who is married to a Marine aviator that was in the, the Mishap Squadron when the oh, F-18 gosh. ran into the C-130 or the KC-130. Right. And so just her, listening to her recount of it's 11 o'clock at night Pacific time, and she gets a, a, a Facebook message, if you will, from somebody saying, hey, is is your husband okay? And then the, the, the frantic, I guess, nature of the, the next couple of minutes were... Pretty intense. So it was interesting, interesting to listen to her story. Yeah. Well, and that's a good point because in the old days, the car would drive up if something bad happened mm-hmm. and you would be officially announced. These days, sometimes social media is on at first. And, you know, we were always told on the ship, I don't know if you ever dealt with this, but you couldn't write back and say, oh, it was Fred. But what people would do is, oh, it wasn't me. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And then it was a process of elimination. And we'll get to the wives or the spouses club in a moment. But I think there became then, okay, everyone else checked themselves off. But mm-hmm. now by process of elimination, some haven't. And I bet that was pretty difficult. That was, well. yeah. And then the phone tree also, like you mentioned, the mm-hmm. process of elimination via the spouse's phone tree. So yeah. Yeah. All right. 
So moving on to the next question, Beth, mm -hmm. some say that the workups preceding the deployment are more difficult than the deployment itself. How did you find that to be the case? And if so, why? So workups are difficult, um, but I think because we had a long distance relationship in the beginning anyway, we were used to the seeing each other and not seeing each other. But it's hard because he's there, he's not. You start to take over things, then he's back. And it's a little easier once they're gone and you have a plan for the entire time. And it's hard on the kids, I think, when daddy's there and daddy's gone and daddy's there and daddy's gone. And, and then they get confused, especially when they were younger. Kristen, anything to add? I would just like, I, routine is kind of the best thing for us when, when you guys would be gone, when you'd be busy. And so I think what Beth was saying too, when you're back and forth, it's hard for us to get into that routine. But once the deployment is underway, then there is a, a sense of routine and we can start counting down. During those workup cycles, the deployment is always looming and there's just some uneasiness about that. Yeah. But once we can finally say goodbye, then we can start kind of counting down. And how many deployments did you two do together? Four deployments. Four? And yes. what was your marital children status? So in other words, did you do one? One was we were engaged. Okay. And then married. All right. And then married again, and then married with one kid who was less than a year old. Okay. And Beth, we did five plus a bonus on the ground to Afghanistan. Right. Mm. So we did one engaged. Yes. One married without kids. And then I want to say... See what that was number two. Then number three was with one. Number yes. four was with two, yes. and number five and bonus were all three. With all, yes. Oh, wow, <laughs> that's a good, <laughs> good right. set of experience. And then, but there. we never did. What did you call it? A surge deployment, right? Yeah. So you were explain that again. Sure, surge deployment. The uh, initially you're going to go away for six months, and okay. then you'll be home. And I put that in air quotes, home, as in. <laughs> Your, your stuff is back in the United States, but you're out still training. So okay. you're back for two months, and then you go out again on the, uh, the carrier for another two months. Oh, wow. All right. Well, we never did that, but our longest deployment was our third, and that was eight months long. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Let's, I don't want to think about that one. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not do that again. But getting to that point, okay, so fine. The workups are harder because we're here, we're gone, and sometimes we're on the boat where you can't get a hold of us. Sometimes we're in Fallon where you can. But once we're on deployment, I mean, six or eight months, I don't know about you all, I sometimes see notes on Facebook, oh, my spouse has been gone on a business trip for a week, I can't handle it. And I'm thinking, <laughs> just can't relate, <laughs> yeah. No Get over yourself. But on the other hand, you two have obviously embraced it, you have support, but how, how do you cope? What's it like when your life partner is gone for half of the year, or in our case, two-thirds of one year? So... Kristen said, you, you kind of come up with a plan and you come up with counting down the days and you, mm -hmm. you start planning things to look forward to. Mm -hmm. Let's see, at least twice I was fortunate enough to meet you halfway, which just helps a ton and it makes it a lot easier. Um, for the kids, we would make things like putting the penny in one jar or the other to count down the days or the the paper chain where we could tear them off. So something tangible the yes, younger children the could kids, see. For okay. the kids. And then, of course, we did daddy dolls and the daddy quilts, and we had some recordings of you, and um, and then uh, also just any phone call that we could get from you always helped keep us going. Right. So on the ship, Sunshine and I talked about the pots before. The, the plain old telephone That's right. System. So do you remember me calling you on that? Oh, God, it was horrible. It was, it was great to hear your voice, but it was really hard. Yes, it was this long delay, and we'd have to say, Beth, how are you? Over? <laughs> <laughs> and you'd have to wait and make sure I wasn't going to say something again, that I wasn't pausing for effect. But yes, to your point, we would import, especially on the later deployments, if we had our laptops with us, we would sometimes get a hotel room and we could plug into their Wi-Fi and Skype, Skype with you or FaceTime or whatever was available. And that was a good way to keep in touch. But otherwise, on the ship, it was emails or letters generally. Right. And then you touched on meeting in the middle. So just to explain that, you literally flew twice, right, on two different deployments? Yes. To once to Dubai 
and once to Bahrain. Yes. And then an additional time on workups when we were down oh, in yes, the Caribbean. That was, that was a bonus. And you mm-hmm. met us in St. Martin. Now, did you guys have nice. that opportunity? We did. Do you remember where we met, hon? We, we met in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. in Singapore, Ooh. and then another deployment a few years later, I went back to Singapore. Nice. Wait, yeah. H- Hong Kong and Singapore in the same deployment? It was pretty epic. So uh, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. We met in Hong Kong. I was with a group of, of other spouses. We met them for about four days in Hong Kong, and then they got back on the carrier, and we traveled to Singapore, <laughs> and a few days later, they pulled into Singapore, and we were together nice. another few days. So that... It just worked out perfectly that time. I don't really know of a lot of times that I've heard that working out. Right. <laughs> I agree. No. But it that's was great. pretty fun. Meanwhile, you were out at sea at work. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> that's all right. Well, kudos to you and the wives for, for doing that. And that's what I had a veteran spouse in the beginning say, don't be afraid to travel where they are. You know, get with, get with your gr- a group of girls and, and, and it works. It's nice. Speaking of communication, I had a podcast listener, Elena, Right in, and she is actually dating an instructor pilot in Meridian, oh. Brian. And she recently defended a doctoral dissertation related to communications between partners when one is deployed. And she wanted me to ask when we had the opportunity to interview the two of you, what communication methods did we use, how often, and how important was it? So we already talked a little bit about some of the different methods and the limitations, but what did we use most often and how important was it in keeping connected while we were gone? Well, the very first deployment, we had to use mostly written letters. So we realized they would come out of order, and he wouldn't understand one letter to the next, and so we had to start numbering them. And so that was the beginning That was the beginning of it on the first one. And then email was most prevalent after that, but still could get stalled, could get stuck. You would maybe get five emails at a time once uh, communication went back through. And then... Um, Later on, Skype was uh, amazing to try to have, and video teleconference, like we said. Mm-hmm. And the bummer with the email, of course, is that you're at the whims of the ship and their willingness to transmit, I don't know, what do you call all it, just the bandwidth or the Wi-Fi or whatever. Sometimes they would shut all that off. River City Condition 1. There you yes, go. Absolutely. And if they wanted to, they could keep you from calling or emailing home. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, some patience was required, but... Uh, Kristen, did you have any letter writing challenges or anything else? We mostly used email. Okay. Um, I joke with Brian that we, we emailed when we were engaged, that first deployment that, that I was in the picture when we were engaged, and we were planning a wedding via email. Whose wedding? And there were, <laughs> I was planning a wedding yeah. via email. <laughs> and there were a lot of unanswered questions in my emails. And like you said, I think some emails didn't go through and others we'll did. Use that and there might have also been some. <laughs> Thank you, honey. But I found out what was really important in those emails. Okay. But, um, but of course, the phone calls when possible. Mm-hmm. And depending on the type of deployment, I know communication is different. Um, and it's just whatever you get used to, you know, when you're used to being able to talk or FaceTime or something like that, and then all of a sudden you can, it's a lot harder. So, um, it was just kind of what we got used to, but there were great times where we were several times a day, you could exchange emails and then other times you wouldn't hear for a week. Right. So, yeah, I, I tend to think the only question I answered regarding planning of our wedding was the color of the napkins. That's <laughs> Maybe right. that's all she trusted yeah. asking you about. <laughs> well, that's good, man. What did you go with? I couldn't an screw important up. detail. You didn't go with like pink polka dotted. I don't think so. I think it was like an opalescence. Ooh. Nope. No, it wasn't. Apparently, <laughs> I'm wrong there. This is audio only, so you have to tell us you're navy, shaking your head, Kristen. Navy blue. <laughs> they true. were navy blue, and they might not have oh, been Oh, of course. His navy blue. No, apparently, I was vetoed. Apparently. Oh, I see. All right. Well, if you've been married long enough, we can blame it on your poor memory or there you failing go. memory or yeah, something. It's been, it's been a couple of years now, a couple All 16. Right. Yeah. Well, and then also the calendar that the spouses used to provide us was yes. a way of communicating. Um, we loved our sorts, calendar squares. Right? So we would put up a template, almost like one of those Christmas, what do you call those things where the every day you have and a gift? Like an it. advent calendar? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you'd have a blank 31-day slotted calendar thing you'd stick on the wall, and then you'd put in whatever month it was at the top, and then what? All of a sudden we'd get a box with cards and they would have the date and some pictures and some sometimes little artistic things what was that all about ladies well the spouses group we called them calendar squares and we would have to do them a couple months in advance at least um sometimes we would have to send you with the first you know three months 
and we would choose dates that were important to us, maybe an anniversary, a child's birthday, and we would have themes. I mean, there's a lot of different types of things that we did. um, And we would send a party box. I don't know, Beth, if you Mm -hmm. guys ever did Mm -hmm. that. So for a certain occasion, like at Easter, we would Mm -hmm. send a bunch of candy and Easter things. Mm -hmm. Um, But we we did get quite creative in in some of our themes. (laughs) Um, But it's just a fun thing that the spouses do. And we haven't touched on it, but just a way to get together and be supportive of each other. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a lot of fun, too. Beth, I can remember some pretty fun squares that you sent me right around Valentine's Day. <laughs> we, we were trying to, you know, make it exciting for you guys and look forward to our calendars. And yeah, we did, we did a lot of fun things. And it was great to get together. I think it was, it was, a, it was a really good way to get together and then feeling like we're supporting and, and sending you these gifts. Right. And because mail takes so long, especially a bigger package like that, it... You had to send it, like you said, sometimes months in advance. But this is as good a time as any to speak about the Spouses Club. Describe what that is and what it meant to you when we were deployed. So in the beginning, I was just a uh, a girlfriend. Um, but well, you're a fiancé. Okay, fiancé. And they were very gracious and they were okay. very kind to allow me to come in because they realized that it's even harder on someone that's not married yet and dealing with it. And I, they were the Spouses Group was just an amazing support group. You, how else could you, you know, you're getting support from people going through the same exact thing or in some of them who have already gone through it many, many times. And mm-hmm. so that was where I got a lot of my support. So we had a lot of fun getting together, planning things for you guys. And like I said, just veteran wives, you know, um, helping us through things that I had not gone through before, especially in the beginning. I would love to add to that just that, yeah, like you said, all of the different stages the fiancés, the newly married, people with kids, the spouses with older children, all just kind of provided insight, um, and they knew exactly what we were going through at a time. And I remember um, talking to family. It might have been when our daughter was born. If, if I was going to maybe go back home rather than stay in town, we, we didn't live close to family while Brian was gone. And I remember telling them that actually I felt more support just personally at that time, going back to where we lived at the time in Lemoore and being closer to the spouses group than being even closer to my family because that group knew exactly what I was feeling. Um, We were going through the same things. We had things to look forward to and social things, and it just made a world of difference. Well, basically the spouses group became our family Mm -hmm. at the Mm -hmm. time, and it was just the best support you could get. I mean, more so than what your family would be able to give you. They just did not understand. Well, and it's generally what the officer's wives. And so in a typical squadron, this was our experience a VFA in a single seat. Did you ever deploy with a two seat squadron? I did not. Okay. So me neither. So a single seat squadron, there was roughly 18 pilots and then another six or so maintenance officers. So maybe what, 25 or so spouses. Mm -hmm. But like you said, the commanding officer, who's the number one guy in the squadron and the executive officer, their wives or spouses, let's get the terminology correct here, mm-hmm. they've been through the most of those just by the fact that they're that senior, they've been around longer. And so they could really offer guidance and advice. And you even said already, Beth, that one of them said, don't be afraid to jump travel. on an airplane and right. travel around the world. Even with your kids, yes. Mm-hmm. Right, which we did have the luxury of doing. Yes. That yeah, was fun. Excellent. So we did have another podcast listener, Michael, and he asked... In the fighter pilot world, what is the percentage of single versus married aviators? Actually, I'll jump on that one because I don't think there's really a hard and fast percentage. I mean, generally, like happened to us, as Mm -hmm. our stories here have said today, when you are young coming out of college, you're generally single. And as you're working through flight school, that's a priority for you. Beth, I know I kind of strung you along for, what, five years? Five years. <laughs> oh, gee. Five anyway, years counting. But I was, <laughs> as I remember telling you, I was married to flight school. But once we got through that together, thank you, then it didn't take much longer before I proposed, as I recall. And so I think it is a progression that mirrors your career a little bit in that once you are done with flight school, you're, you are past that large hurdle, and then you can think about the logical next step. You're in your middle 20s, and for a lot of people, it is marriage. And as you got older into the department head and XO and CO ranks, then I would say probably most of them Mm -hmm. were married. Some 
random occasional ones would be single or... Suspiciously single. Well, from the get-go, <laughs> or, or divorced sometimes. But I would say the older you got, generally speaking, the more likely you were to be married. Absolutely. Agree? I agree. Uh, so let's just associate a timeline with that. As you finish college at 22, right. flight school is about two years, so now you're 24, and then you hit your first, well, you probably hit the RAG or the FRS for right. six months to a year, so you're looking at 25, 26. Then you have your first short, excuse me, sea tour, mm-hmm. and the operational tempo, I think, is going to play a big role in your uh, dating life or the factor of the dating life. So they're going to be single in the beginning, and then just like you said, as they age, they're going to... Uh, Pick up a spouse and pick up some kids. And and then Michael asks additionally, what is the divorce rate? And this one's kind of touchy because it's difficult, right? Very difficult. And then he also mentions, hey, how are these kind of issues like divorce handled at sea? Yeah. Well, it's difficult. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. We, unfortunately, Beth, had friends in our squadrons that were afflicted by divorce. And I don't know what else to say about it other than sometimes relationships get interrupted by life events or maybe they were based on weak foundations in the first place and when cracks form it's hard to recover it's difficult for me to say because thankfully it's not something i've ever had to broach right and i would say this is probably one of the most challenging careers to have a marriage try to endure Mm -hmm. so because of the separation or the the separation mm -hmm. because of yeah being apart so much well and yeah, I don't know how else to put it than that. I would say, Vincent, that we're both very lucky. I mean, the, the fact that we are both married and our marriages endured that is just a, a testament to our mm-hmm. wives' fortitude. Yeah, well, well I, don't, I don't know that we need to go into that, but I know well, that... Come on, I'm does. trying to get some bonus points. I Remember, think... I forgot the, the color of the napkins at our wedding. I think a military marriage, I mean, it's, a very, it's difficult. I think you're under more pressure than you are otherwise because you are, in fact... Your marriage is not the priority. Your service is first <laughs> in most cases, and then marriage. And we've been a part of some great commands that do make marriage and family a top priority. But unfortunately, that cannot always be the case, and the mission comes first. So as spouses and families, you have to be willing to share your spouse with the government and, and with his job. And so I think that poses a unique challenge that maybe other families don't right. always have. Right. And like you said, if you have you don't have that foundation of communication and trust mm. to begin with, then it's hard for any marriage to survive. And I think that the deployment lends itself to sometimes marriages that struggle actually last longer because you're apart so much. I know that we had friends that that was the case. Mm. Um, so that maybe when you are back together, then those kind of problems might come to the surface. Yeah. So, Well, and it's an interesting point you make because I think, I assume, for most people who have what I would consider normal eight to five jobs, which we never had, then it would be very easy. In fact, I experience this now with my current employment. I can say my marriage comes first because there's certain things I can do or not do at work and I can put you first. But I think you made a very good point, Kristen, that I wonder if our listeners really appreciate is as romantic as it sounds and the vows that we all take traditionally at our weddings of forsaking all others and all these other things. The truth is, you just said it. In some cases, you ladies, I hate to say, are really kind of number two. I mean, when it's a week before deployment, sorry to say, but we're leaving on deployment and we're going out to possibly put our lives in harm's way, which we've agreed to do when we Mm -hmm. raised our hand on that first day before there was wives and little ones looking up at us. And that makes this job harder, I think, to Michael's point. It is very difficult to handle at sea because you're gone and there's things still at home that need to be handled, whether it's finances or something breaks or the death of a loved one. And it's difficult for us to be there for you because in a sense, unfortunately, you're almost number two for a little while. I remember a spouse telling me in the beginning, um, we were getting married that, you know, she took me aside and said, now remember, you are marrying the Navy also. Mm-hmm. You know, not just your husband. Right. You're also marrying the Navy. So, yeah, I, re- I always tried to remember that. 
Isn't that why in the sword arch at the wedding, the last guy there whacks you on the rear end? <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the Navy. There you That's go. Right. Absolutely. Everyone remembers yeah. that. Yeah. Who was it that did that for I us? I think that was Dave Slayton. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good because we still see him around. Did they yeah. do that to you as yeah. well, Kristen? Absolutely. <laughs> they did. I think they were fighting over that. Yeah. It was a good one. And I think another good point, though, is when we were in uniform and people along the street would come up and say, hey, thank you for your sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And I would turn around and say, it's actually our wives yeah. that had the bigger sacrifice. Well, but you spoke about your sacrifice one time on, I think it was our Facebook live session where you had a child, you might need to retell the story because I don't think I'll do it justice, but you came home and wasn't there a little trepidation? Yes, our the... firstborn, yeah. yeah. So if you don't mind, we had a fly-in, the squadron fly-in, so traditionally the boat's going to pull in, but the planes have to leave earlier, obviously, yep. for takeoff consideration. So we flew in the squadron, a lot of pomp and circumstance, 12-plane fly-in, Roses, uh, the local news is there, mm-hmm. everything that just, you know, very joyous celebration. And then there was my almost one-year-old, and she was sitting in her little umbrella stroller just kind of looking up at me like, Mom, who is this dude? <laughs> and it took a good six hours to almost uh, a day, I think, to, for her to warm up, wouldn't you say? Huh? She warmed up eventually, but yeah. not for the photos that we perhaps had That's in right. our, <laughs> in to our capture mind. forever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There were tears, but she didn't run to him like I had hoped. um, Well, and that is a sacrifice because Mm -hmm. that just speaks to the difficulty of being separated for so long. Mm -hmm. And I assume you Skyped the best you could. I don't know if that was available at that time. But did you also do, I remember we had an opportunity, Beth, to read a book in front of the camera Mm -hmm. and the ship would provide the book and the videotape. This was back when I think it was still like... VHS and send it home. Did you have a chance to do that? Did that we, make a difference? We did. I think it did. The ship was very accommodating for yes, us. Yes, and she watched those all along. She she knew him. It's just that but you're never yes, you're never prepared for that right. that homecoming moment. Yeah, um, and especially with a child that young. Well, and there's a lot of people and a lot of noise <laughs> yes. and. Let's talk about homecomings, because that's always a joyous time. So, like you said, generally, if the ship's pulling in on Friday, on Thursday, we'll fly off first, because you have to do that out in the open sea, and then the ship pulls in the next day. And ladies, what's going on at home? For us, they tell us, you know, we get some training, don't roll in. (laughs) How to reintegrate. Guns blazing. Hey, there's a (laughs) new new sheriff in town. They've been doing just fine without you for the last Mm -hmm. six or eight months. But what's going on at home, especially in the spouses club? Is this a, a sweet time, I'm sure? Yes, it is. We are preparing posters of Welcome Home Daddy. We, at least for me, we're getting the outfits for the kids to wear. The boys had matching flight suits and, you know, just making sure everything's perfect at home. And, you know, it's extremely exciting. And the countdown is really exciting. Yeah. Well, they put a lot of metal in the air, as we like to say. The whole squadron, all Mm -hmm. the airplanes that can fly, will get together and Kristen, what's it like when all 12 of those fly over making all that noise and one of them is your husband? Oh, it, there's there's nothing like it. I mean, I said that the deployment is worth it for that homecoming moment. <laughs> yes. And I mean, I will never have something like that again. I mean, there's something so special about homecoming, military homecomings. I mean, I, you know, everybody gets choked up when they see it on TV and when the ship pulls in with, with the planes, of course, it's loud, it's exciting. Um and so, yeah, we're cheering, we're screaming. Um, like Beth said, a lot of preparations are, are made. And then just the heart pounding as they're, <laughs> get out of the plane, hurry, hurry. And we have to wait, we have to wait. We it's not safe. Right. Yeah. Because something you've waited for for yeah. so long is now mm-hmm. about to happen. And Brian, mm-hmm. you already touched on it, but tell us what's going through our minds as we fly over and then the procedure as we go from flying overhead to being in the arms of our family. You know, well, the first thing is you got to remember to compartmentalize. So, hey, safety first as you're blasting off the carrier, joining up with a 12 ship or however many you have. Make sure you don't run into the guy next to you or swap paint, obviously. Right. But you also don't want to be out of position as you're flying over because the camera will catch that and you will be that guy in history who was out of position. Then you come back down, you land. We actually used the radio and we would shut down simultaneously okay. at the skipper's command. And then we popped our canopies together at the same time. Very cool. And we had a guy staged out on the flight line who had some roses ah. for each of the guys who had significant others there on sure. the, in the hangar. And just that run from once you grab the roses, no kidding, almost full out run in flight suit and all the, <laughs> all the gear we carry around. 
beelining directly toward the spouses. It was uh, something special. In one of our squadrons, we actually tried to form up and almost march in militarily. Oh, Blue Angel style? Well, almost, <laughs> but it broke down very quickly yeah, because so, yeah. one of the guys started running, one of the kids started running, and it's and it just was an amazing yeah. time. It's, it's made for Hollywood. Uh, Beth, I don't know if you remember, in 2003, I was just about to land, and I had an engine failure. Oh. And so I had to go around. Yeah. And so you knew which airplane I was coming in, mm-hmm. and I went and Brian, I went and took a trap on the other runway. No, more. but it was the oh gosh, which runway? It was the engine that didn't matter, so I was still able to taxi. So I put my hook up, and I taxied oh, back yeah. in late, and finally I pulled in the very end of the <laughs> hey line, guys? and Beth says, "Oh, there he is!" But they waited for <laughs> me because I said, "Hey, I'll be there in a second. That was the longest taxi <laughs> oh, wait no. ever. Oh, yeah. She didn't know if yeah, I'd made it. She thought maybe you know, because what you count right? I had two yeah. eleven. 12 okay, somewhere really. in there yeah, yeah uh, oh, but I remember God. as you said we all raised our canopies even though they waited for me and I was last but and then I jumped up and kind of pumped my fist <laughs> in the air because I was so thrilled to be able to make it on my own and not be towed in yes <laughs> a toe of shame toe, exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah and then for us it's weird because that morning we were on the ship as we were for most of the last six months that night we're in our own beds at home and that's a big transition mm-hmm. but what's it like at home to suddenly now have your life partner back, and especially if kids are involved, what's that transition like? Is it honeymoon, and does it last very long? <laughs> well, at first, it definitely is a honeymoon when they're back right away. But yes, it quickly, I don't want to say changes, but yes, and Brian was always pretty good about not coming in as the new sheriff in town and right. kind of holding his tongue perhaps on a few things, but it's definitely a transition. It's hard for the spouse that's been in charge to then kind of relinquish some of that control. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of us maybe, you know, military spouses can do a lot. We're very strong. (laughs) And sometimes it's hard for us to then let go of a little bit of that control, especially when we've had it for so long. So it's a humbling experience for sure and a a growing experience when you come back. Yes, I would imagine. (laughs) Oh, it, it, it is a little bit of a honeymoon, but I tell you, especially when I had all three boys, I was so ready for you to be home. You got them. All I wanted to do was sleep in. I was like, uh, you got the controls. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Take them away from I was okay bit. with you taking over. Um, you know, I was. They're still used to just you being around because they call mom far more. Oh my gosh, I cannot break them of that. I have tried to teach them, daddy's home, you can now say daddy. Yeah. And they still say, mom, mom, mommy. It's convenient for me because I can see if I can figure out what it is they need from across the room and then I can either choose to pretend I can hear or not. Pitch out. (laughs) And then those daddy dolls that you spoke of earlier, those are just stuffed, what, dolls that have... A caricature of me or an actual picture, yeah, right? Yeah, an actual picture of mm-hmm. you, yeah. And they were very used, very lovingly in the beginning. At the beginning, yes. <laughs> in then the your, beginning. Then your children turn eight and ten and they become punching bags and voodoo dolls. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. So when I come in now, our youngest is already 11, I can't imagine. He'll have it holding up in his hands as I'm walking out, turning the light off, punching me in the face with the thing. So no. we, we, we have some fun with that, but we still have them. And our last deployment was 11 and 12, so that's already over six years ago. Hmm. Well, I'm glad we don't have to do any of those again. So, All right, and so then a couple of weeks after we're back, it's like we never left, probably, in some regards. And then does the Spouses Club kind of not dissolve for a little while, but is it... Slow down? or Yeah, we, I, I believe we take a little break, enjoy our families again. But, um, you know, we've done back-to-back deployments, and you've done your surges, and it feels like it's not long before we're back at it again. Right. And the nice thing for us, Brian, I don't know if you had this experience, but a lot of times our best friends who live a couple doors down, let's say, are on the carrier that relieved us. And so when we get home, now their spouses and clubs are going through that, and we're able to go do heavy lifting or if something breaks or whatever, you know, sometimes a man is needed around the house, if I may stereotype. But I always thought that was nice to be able to help the other family members out. Yeah, I think the staggered schedules were huge, especially when we were aware of our neighbors, academy, roommates, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we could help out. I, I love just giving him tasks, too. It's like, oh, guess what? I signed up a friend of mine to do a, a Disney run with me. You wouldn't mind watching her boys at the same time, would you? <laughs> that's true. I did. I had, Scott was on there deployment. You go. He was. That's oh, right. There you go. came and ran with me. Yeah, I oh, had nice. five kids, all All boys. Eight. Yeah, all boys. <laughs> and awesome. Eight and below, I want to say. They yeah. weren't very old. No. And we had a good time. Yes. Yeah, we we drew up some congratulations, mommy signs for you guys, kind of like you do for our homecoming. Excellent. That's what I'm saying. It's 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 one big family. Indeed. Indeed. All right. 
Okay, and one final listener question. That was, what was the toughest part of being a naval aviator? So, you know what, Vincent? Let's, let's answer it ourselves. Yeah, this one's for us, I guess. You know, for me, I think it was... Obviously, when family shows up, it's difficult. We spoke to that on this episode today. But I think one of the hardest parts, too, is the constant moves that you do as a military family. I think in our 25 years, Beth, we moved something like 12 times. So on average, every two years, yep. sometimes more. Sometimes we were there for three years, and that felt like a long time. And three moves is like a fire, they say. Your stuff doesn't do very well getting <laughs> loaded in and out of trucks a bunch of times. Yeah. So it's hard to have nice furniture and nice things. But on the upside, you get to see new places. We were lucky to be stationed in Japan for a couple of years, in California and Nevada and Florida and all over. So... I would say the moves are one difficult part of many. What, what do you think? I agree. Ryan? So with me, the other part, the move, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But also just having kids and being a parent was the real game changer for me. Because right. Kristen knew somewhat what she was getting into. I'm sure Beth mm-hmm. did too, very intelligent woman. But the kids, they had no clue. So for us to, to disappear for a long time and come home, as mentioned earlier, and a kid not even want to be around you, yeah, that was that was definitely a tugging at the heartstrings. I can imagine. Ladies, how about for you? What was the most difficult part of your lives being married to, in our cases, naval aviators? Well, I would say sharing you with the rest of America it would probably right. be number one. <laughs> but you touched a little bit on the moves, and we hadn't talked about that because that's a big part of my memories as a military spouse. But just when you start to kind of get into your group and you find all of the places, you know, your regular spots for everything, it's time to go. Mm. And so there is, that is tough. And now that I'm on the other side of that, um, I realize it's also tough to be left behind, um, which we never really had to be left behind. We were always the ones leaving, but um, we got very good at quickly, you know, I don't want to say shallow roots or being able to, Mm -hmm. to adapt quickly and be flexible, but it's just been nice to be able to really kind of get involved with the community mm-hmm. and the civilian community rather than just the military community. But everywhere we've lived, everybody's been so gracious. And like you said, just being able to experience different parts of the country was something that I never thought that I'd be able to do um, before I met Brian. So I'm thankful for that. It's been a lot of fun, but I don't miss packing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get to what the future holds here in a second. Beth, anything to add to that? So deployment's tough, moves tough. I think what what the hardest ones were is I think three times you being gone and a move happening at the same time. Oh, wow. So I literally moved to Japan by myself because you were already starting on that deployment. Did we do the pack up before I left? Um, no, your dad came out. Your no, mom my, and dad my came parents out. helped. Yeah, yeah so oh. that happened, I think, three times where wow. either on the incoming or outgoing, he was absent, and I was trying to do not just, you know, we were moving, but I was doing it by myself. Well, I'm going to say it before Brian does because I'm probably absent a lot when I'm there anyway, but uh, no, it is difficult <laughs> when you're transitioning and one of us can't be there to help out. Right. And so. I think a big part of the thanks we ought to provide on this episode is also to parents, because your mm-hmm. parents have certainly <laughs> been very helpful, as have mine. Yes. And mine I, and Kristen. Okay, yes. good. I think we keep telling them, this is the last move, yeah, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> I promise. They stopped believing you a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, a lot of family support, for sure. And, you know, it, it makes you stronger, and it also makes the kids, again, more flexible, more resilient. Mm-hmm. And and I think it uh, just... Uh, Makes, makes us all, you know, well-rounded. And uh, yeah. you know, like you said, mm-hmm. a military spouse, are, we're pretty strong. We can handle Absolutely. a lot. <laughs> well, then I would, if I'm allowed to come back around on the same question, add that, of course, like we talked about at the beginning of the interview, is the risk is also a difficult part of it. Now, again, we made out okay, but not everyone did. I knew people that perished in this profession. Likewise. And certainly for their spouses, that's not easy. And But even for you ladies, I'm sure, having to go to the occasional memorial or ceremony and, and just being reminded of the risks probably wasn't easy either. And so it it is a dangerous activity, but the profession of arms is. Not everybody does it. I'm mm-hmm. glad to have done it. And I'm glad to be done doing it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh- Interesting aside, so when I was in S3s, there was an S3 crash down in Puerto Rico of a sister squadron, and one of my academy classmates 
my company mate there, he thought that I perished. So uh, this was pre-social media and all that stuff. So okay. he just got word of mouth that uh, Sunshine was no longer with us. So then I was on a detachment, if you will. And when I made it back, I just happened to go over to this guy and say hi. And he nearly fell down. Because I, I, you know, a ghost answered the door. Or came oh to his door. Yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. So he was convinced you were gone, and he, there you he were. really was. Wow. Yeah, and this, uh, that was Ian. That was Ian. If you remember that back okay. in the day, so wow. crazy stuff. Well, good thing he didn't like see Kristen and say, "I'm so sorry to, you know, to hear about sunshine." I know. Then she might say, "Wait, what?" Those three thousand miles were probably a good thing. That's the mile separation. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, ladies, we are just about done. We want to thank you for your time and your heartfelt responses to our own and the listeners' questions. I'm sure we could go on and on, and I always say this at the end of interviews with our guests. <laughs> There's so much more we could cover. Indeed. But I just want to thank you on behalf of the listener and on behalf of the country of doing what some would argue is the most difficult job in the Navy. I agree. That's the Navy spouse. Mm-hmm. And so I know each of us did, Brian, at our retirement ceremonies, try to honor you the best we could with our remarks and appreciation. And so I hope the listener has gained a little appreciation of what it's like for spouses. And so thank you for representing them. Well, we appreciate you telling our side because I think it's all, it is an important side. For sure. It was our pleasure to be here. Good. Well, and I should remind everyone that right now, there are probably more than a few spouses that are without their loved ones mm-hmm. who are deployed at this very moment. And it doesn't matter when you listen to this. If it's in the United States and the rapture hasn't come yet, then someone's deployed <laughs> and their spouse is at home and they're dealing with all of the separation and the anxiety and the dangers and the broken communications and the misunderstood colors of napkins and all the rest. So, <laughs> so again, thank you to you ladies. But before we let you go... We have a couple final questions we always like to ask. Sunshine, you want to pose the first one? So, Beth, what does the future hold? Let's see. Well, we have already retired, transitioned out, started a new job, and we decided that if we didn't have to move our kids again out of a school district, we would try to stay and grow some roots and just enjoy where we are right now. So we're living it day by day, enjoying ourselves, right? Exactly. Excellent. How about you, Kristen? Well, we're in the same boat, too. We're just recently retired, so we're just getting used to that new normal. Right. <laughs> and seeing each other a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's more than normal, Brian, working from Which home. so nice. He's <laughs> taken an active role in getting kids to and from school, and it's All been right. great. Um, but yes, we also are enjoying just kind of getting involved in our community, knowing that we are not going to have to move again in the near future, mm-hmm. but um, we just take it day by day. Don't know exactly what the future holds. <laughs> I can't help but wonder if at the two to three year point from retirement that I'm not going to start getting itchy. Like, the hey, itch. uh, don't we normally start going somewhere? Can I pack something <laughs> up right, in a yeah. box? I don't know. I'm yeah. sure that'll happen. And then we'll be like, where's our orders? That's right. <laughs> well, and to be fair for the listener who maybe is just tuning in, we're not retired sitting in a rocking chair doing nothing. Brian and I retired from <laughs> the military in our later 40s and are on to second careers. Beth, you did mention that. But you're right. We are done with the military, done with deployments and done with the riskiness of that profession. And so I, for one, am glad for that. I'm sure you are as well. Absolutely, without a doubt. Okay. Well, our final question, we always ask our guests to provide some background on their interesting call signs. And we have had some on the show before, but we've never had spouses on the show. So Kristen, do you have a a fighter pilot call sign? A PG one? I really don't. I, no? I, I don't. I'm no not special sure. gift? <laughs> I do. Maybe I can get <laughs> oh, one. I'll have to come up with one now. We'll do a All Facebook right. poll. How about that? Okay. Yeah, we'll get your call okay. sign. All right. So we'll have to work on that. Beth, well, I used to have a pet name for you that is public. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, what was it? And how did you get it? Um, so, yeah, I, you had a name tag, actual flight suit name tag made out for me. With, with the, honorary pilot wings. Yes, oh, it was nice. really special. It said Little Trooper. And I actually dressed up as a pilot one year oh. um, for Halloween and got to, like, wear it around. Yeah, so, you were believable. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And But I think it was because uh, just being able to handle everything, being that tough spouse and handle the distance and the home life without you there was a uh, Little Trooper. 
Well, and I would argue from what I've seen from the Spouses Club and our multiple squadrons and 25 years of service that most spouses would earn that call sign. And something must have happened at some point for you to particularly earn that one for me. But yes, spouses are very much troopers. They are resilient. They are, what are some other adjectives here, Brian? They, they are quite adept at making do with spouses who are deployed and being independent and flexible and adaptable. Yeah, they are the, I wouldn't say they're the, not only the jack of many trades, but the master of many trades. Yeah, indeed. Go against the uh, trite saying that we're used to. And just uh, once again, their ability to provide a firm foundation while we're gone is stunning. Yep. I mean, look at our kids, right? Look at your boys, look at our girls. It's just uh, amazing that they're not more broken because of our jobs. For sure. Well, and they say separation makes the heart grow fonder. I don't know if that's true or not, but certainly <laughs> our children have endured that. And as you said earlier, Brian, they don't get a choice in that. That is mm-hmm. the upbringing they get. And I know each of us tried to remark on that in our retirement from the military remarks. So hopefully they appreciate that. And, you know, it's the only experience they have. So what else are they going to do, right? <laughs> yep. they, they don't know what else it's like to have dad home all the time. Our kids dealt with that, and that's just the way it was. All right, well, before we completely wrap up, I do want to remind everyone that the views expressed in this presentation are the personal views of the hosts and our guests and do not necessarily represent the position of the Department of Defense or its components. So, ladies, before we sign off, any parting shots? Beth, anything else that we missed? That, Or if there is a young spouse-to-be out there that's looking at this mountain on the first step, anything you would want them to know? Um, Well, I think you've touched on it for just them to be trusting and flexible and hang in there because we survived and uh, I think we did a pretty good job. I agree. It's it's rewarding. I mean, I feel honored to be a military spouse. I really do. Um, And I'm actually going to miss parts of it. The spouses club and the family that they they provided. Yeah, it's not the same in our current profession. I'm guessing it's not for you either. Correct. Yeah, too bad. All right, thank you for that. Kristen? I would just echo that. I would say take it day by day. You can't look too far into the future because you actually don't know and things are changing constantly in the military. And I also would say ask for help. Um, Don't think that you have to have it all together. None of us are good at everything. And that's the great thing about a network of of other spouses and family is everybody's good at something. So use each other's gifts. And if you are a civilian and you know somebody that is deployed and their family is at home, offer to help. Don't do just an open offer. Give them something specific. That's what I've I've learned, I think, is say, I'm I'm coming over with dinner or right. what day can I watch your kids for you? Right. I know that I received a lot of offers that were open, but I didn't all I wasn't always good at asking mm-hmm. to cash those those offers in. So I would just say that, but don't be afraid to ask for help. And if you can offer help, then give it. Excellent. All right, ladies. Well, thank you so much for your time. This is the time of year when we think of the warmth of home and we're fortunate to have that this year and hopefully every holiday season from here on. But Mm -hmm. again, as we mentioned, not every family is, so our hearts go out to them. But Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy New Year's. And with that, what do we always say? Let's Let's get get out of here. Thank you for listening to the Fighter Pilot Podcast. Got a question for the show? Send an email to questions at fighterpilotpodcast.com or leave a message on our listener line at 877-MACH-101. That's 877-622-4101. Be sure to check out our website at fighterpilotpodcast.com. You can also find us on all the usual social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. For exclusive Fighter Pilot Podcast content and to help support the show, visit our Patreon page. Please like, follow, and share us with your network. And if you have a moment to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, we would greatly appreciate it.